There are a lot of movies out there. More and more are coming every single day. But thanks to the internet, it has become easier to find anything that you might want to see. So join me as I dive deep into the Amazon and the Netflix and dredge up whatever I might find waiting on the bottom and share it with you, whether it be treasure or trash, on The Bloodstream. Board streamers to episode 29 of the Bloodstream. I am your host Jason Gray, and this week we are taking a look at a really short movie because I am exhausted after all the production that went into last week's episode. The good news is, since this should be a short episode, I should be able to get it out really quickly. The bad news is, this week's movie was really frustrating, and I'm going to yell at it a lot, so it might not be as short as I'm hoping for. This week's movie I reeled in from the Bloodstream is a little thing called The Unseen. Good luck trying to look that movie up because there's apparently 500 different movies called The Unseen. I'm giving in slightly the hyperbole there, but I'm not that far off. This version of The Unseen is from 2018, but you wouldn't be able to tell that from the production values as it's pretty cheaply made. Since I don't have a lot to say this time around, and there's no trailer for this movie, I'm going to get right to reading the description, and then I'm just gonna go right into talking about the movie. Recovering from a tragedy, a young couple move into an old house on a quiet street. What was thought to bring them solace is now the source of their conflict. Crazy neighbors, odd noises, and something dead in the crawlspace have the couple struggling to determine what is reality and what is fiction. There's only one truth, no one is safe. That description is almost as long as the entire movie. And spoiler alert, it's not that accurate. It kind of is in a roundabout, strangely vague way, like you could almost say a horoscope is accurate to any given person. Some of the tidbits they drop there become clearer as the movie goes on, but a lot of that description doesn't make a whole lot of sense until very near the end of the movie. And I'm still hesitant to say there was any tragedy that set things up. But like I said, there's no trailer, so what does this movie got? It actually starts out promisingly enough. There's some really good tense music, while we watch this scared woman hiding out in a room. She dives under the bed to charge her phone so she can try to get a call out for help or a text or anything like that. All of this is very sensible, but why is the phone charger under the bed? That seems really inconvenient and especially bad if someone's coming to kill you. The only reason for this is so she can go under the bed and they can film things from that angle. Which, okay, it is well shot. It is super creepy. It's just a really forced way to get around it. Once the girl gets inevitably grabbed and dragged away, we dive through the credits and pick things up sometime later with another couple on moving day. And just to cut to the chase, yeah, they're moving into the same house we just saw. And watching this couple move in is exactly as boring and mundane as you might expect it to be. But as they settle in, they start to hear strange scratchings coming from inside the walls, and hey, my money's on raccoons. But before they can discover the Cylons hiding in their walls, we get a cheap jump scare as someone bangs on the door very loudly. This is not the way to introduce yourself to the new neighbors. The neighbor Becky has brought over a welcome pie, and she starts to talk about the history of the house, and that's a good enough spot to drop in our first clip. Anyway, I'm just so glad that someone's 
someone normal finally moved in here. What do you mean? Hmm? Wait. What is isn't... They didn't tell you when you moved in? Tells what? This place is cursed. I'm kidding! I'm kidding! No, that's just an inside joke that I have with myself. <laughs> no, this place is just so weird. Why? I'm sure it's nothing. Oh yeah, totally. No, it's just, it, it's not even the place. It's just, I mean like everyone who has lived here is just like, <laughs> okay, so like the first people that moved in, right, were just these total shut-ins, right? And then, well, and then some college kids moved in for a while. But then, then this girl Kate moved in. And she was sweet. I mean, strange, but, but sweet. It's just such a shame what happened to her. Well, we're not really strange, so... Oh, no, totally, of course, oh my god! Just make sure that you keep the lawn mowed, okay, right? Because the HOA members, ugh, got clocked. Yeah. Where's the tree I got you? She's not here, Grandma. Okay, yeah, Gabby, oh. it was really nice meeting you. Oh, no, of course, Sarah of course. and I should get back to work. Grandma, come on, come on. That night, Dylan wakes up, and I'm not sure if he wakes up because his girlfriend is missing from the bed, or if it's because the background music is just loudly banging around the house. He wanders around looking for Sarah, and the whole reason this entire scene of him wandering around the empty house, and eventually staring at bags of ice in the freezer, has any tension whatsoever, is entirely due to the music. Sarah suddenly appears behind him, she's been sleepwalking, and that's another jump scare they drop in. The next day, Dylan heads off to get groceries so they don't end up dying from starvation, and while she waits for him to come home, Sarah sits around the house and skypes with her friend to plan the friend's wedding. Oh, the horror. This has got to be the most mundane series of events going on. Because after that, the home inspector arrives. The horror. I pray for something to happen when the home inspector starts poking around in the crawl space. But all he does is find a dead raccoon and jumps back when it startles him. Hey, at least I was right about the raccoons. So far, the true horror of this movie is how banal it all is. At this point, you're 20 minutes in to a 53 minute movie. Nothing's happened, except for a really good intro. That night, Sarah wakes up once again, hearing noises coming from the walls, and she goes to have a listen. And the only reason this scene works is we have that great tense music playing in the background. She opens the crawlspace door they have in the bedroom, and this musty gray hand shoots out, grabs her, and... It was all a dream! So, to recount, halfway through this movie, and we have had a solid opening that is not connected to anything, we have had zero scares so far that aren't cheap jump scares, save for the one we just had, and that was a nightmare. Aside from that, the only thing the movie has going for it is the tense, haunting music. This is going to be one of those movies where I end up saying DO SOMETHING over and over again. The next day, Sarah sits around the house doing absolutely nothing until we get another jump scare as the music chimes in to signal the slightly dementia-addled grandmother from the across the street is outside the window. Sarah asks what's up, Grams just kinda stumbles into the house rummages around through stuff, pokes around in the refrigerator, and my god, the mundanity of this movie. Becky comes over to collect grams, and the two women sit around for a bit more, drinking some wine, until Sarah remembers she has to go to the store. <sighs> oh, 
but Beth does mention the previous tenant of the house committed suicide. Yes, she was dragged from her room into the crawl space and committed suicide. That seems plausible. But when Sarah returns home from the store, she finds the front door wide open. She grabs a baseball bat, creeping around the house, keeping an eye out for whoever has broken into her home. The tense music starts playing once again. She slowly makes her way up the stairs, into the bedroom, and she finds... absolutely nothing. You know what would have been scarier than nothing? What? Anything! So far, the best thing about this movie, when it wants to sell a tense moment, it actually manages to work. And it is all thanks to the music. The movie knows how to build tension, it just doesn't know how to release it. Oh wait, I guess technically she doesn't find nothing. The crawlspace door in the bedroom is slightly ajar, and she finds an engagement ring sitting on the bedroom carpet. So, it's not nothing, but close to fucking enough. She gives the cops a call, they send someone over and he checks the place out, and you know what he finds? More nothing! No signs of fourth entry, nothing's been broken or stolen, absolutely nothing. You know what would have been scarier than nothing? What? Anything! Dylan sees the cop out, they have a little bit of a chat outside, and when he comes back in, Sarah asks what he said to the cop, and she flips out about it. The two of them have a bit of a fight, and that's our next clip. What? What did you say to Officer Reynolds? Nothing. Oh, come on! I told him that you get nervous easily, and that I apologize for wasting his time. Is that what you wanted to hear? I am not nervous. Someone was in the house. How do you know, huh? You heard Officer Reynolds. Nobody was here. How do you explain this, then? I found it in our bedroom. So what? Well, it isn't mine. God knows the world left to end before he bought me a ring. You know what, Sarah? I don't know what to do with you anymore. This house was supposed to be our fresh start. I thought this would be good for us. I thought this is what you wanted. Not like this. Like what? You, always watching me, looking over your shoulder. If you thought I was crazy still, why did you agree to do this? I don't think you're crazy. God, Sarah, is that so hard for you to believe? I just want you to be okay. I'm fine. Really? So that's why I found your pills in the trash? So, let me unpack this. Sarah has a history of mental illness. It would have been nice to know this beforehand or have any lead up to it in the preceding two thirds of the movie. She says Dylan is always watching over her, keeping an eye on her, which makes her feel paranoid and she doesn't like him hovering. It sure would have been nice to see any of that during the preceding two thirds of the movie, because as far as I've seen, he's done nothing of the sort. And she's on medication? Not that I've seen. We haven't even been shown a medicine cabinet where pills would go. She dumped them out? Not that anyone has seen. Maybe someone else dumped them out? Who knows? I have not seen one single pill or pill jar anywhere in this movie. It has provided zero setup for anything it's talking about at this point. I'll tell you what's the unseen in this movie, any of its goddamn plot points. When the movie could have been spending time actually establishing some of the plot points or character traits, they instead give us thrilling scenes of Sarah sitting around, talking on Skype, doing nothing, drinking wine, doing more nothing, there was the one lone sleepwalking incident, but they brushed that off as a one-time event due to the stress of moving. They could have easily laid a history of that, but nope. They could have easily said something like, back to sleepwalking again because of your history of mental illness. Nope, none of that. 
just even one line of dialogue anywhere in the preceding two-thirds of this movie to set any of this up, instead of dumping it all on us at the end of the second act. And now that they've dumped all this on us with her history of mental illness, the movie leans heavily on it. It's like someone realized, wait, we need to do something, let's give her a history of mental illness, and that's our go for the end of the movie. <sighs> Anyways, the movie drops in yet another jump scare that wakes up the sleeping couple, and this time, it's from the goddamn smoke alarm. They rush to the kitchen and, someone has made eggs, and left them burning. Before the terror of someone breaking into their house and making eggs can sink in, Grams wanders into the kitchen and it was only her all along. Later, Sarah makes another Skype call to her friend Beth so they can continue planning the wedding some more. And while Beth is coming off as a spoiled child, we at least get something happening when, first of all, a musical boom makes us jump and we see a shadowy figure move behind Sarah as she's on the computer. Finally, maybe something is happening. She creeps back upstairs with that great tense music following her and... It was Dylan all along and she finds nothing. You know what would have been scarier than nothing? What? Anything! Later, Sarah wakes up in the middle of the night next to Dylan, goes to hit the bathroom, and her phone rings. And in a thankfully, finally, genuinely scary moment, it's Dylan on the phone, saying he went out for a walk to stretch his legs. We watch as behind Sarah, the other figure in her bed, throws back the blankets, gets up, and walks off. The figure is drenched in shadows, we never get a good look at them. But the idea of waking up next to someone and finding out that person is not in the house and you were sleeping next to who knows? That is terrifying. Dylan rushes home. Not surprisingly, he doesn't see any of the evidence that Sarah's talking about. They have another fight and that ends with him storming off. They check the security camera footage from the camera that Dylan set up because of all the strange things going on. Before they can really see anything though, they hear Grams off in another room, so it must be her yet again. Dylan goes off to confront her, yells at her, and Grams says that yelling at her makes Dakota upset. And meanwhile, we keep cutting back to Sarah going through the security footage, seeing a whole lot of nothing on her screen, and yeah, same Sarah, same. We spend so, so much time watching this footage. And finally, we see a girl crawl down the stairs on all fours. And the only reason this is scary at all is the music. I've seen better crawling girls in pretty much anything else. But hey, at least it's something finally happening in the final moments of this movie. And it actually kind of explains what's been going on. I could nitpick the details of it, but I'm not gonna. Any explanation is welcome. The lights start flickering around Dylan and suddenly Dakota appears behind him. We hear screams, Sarah goes running off to see what's going on, and finds Dylan down on the ground. She tells Grams to go get help, and the woman wanders off, closing the door, locking it behind her. Didn't the house inspector say something about the bathroom door being the one that locks from the outside and that had to be replaced? I really don't care enough to go check. The crawlspace door creaks open, Dakota creeps out of it like she does, and lunges at Sarah. But she stops short, doesn't do anything, freezes, and the movie cuts to black. If they wanted that to look like an attack, yeah, they missed that mark by a wide mile. It instead looks like when you go to try to scare your friend and you act like you're going to grab them but then you stop short and you have a good laugh. They should have cut away and faded to black while the girl was still moving like an entire whole second before they actually did. 
We then get to suffer through a long, long scene from the security camera as we sit there and watch Dakota drag a body wrapped up in something down the stairs, across the kitchen floor, all the way over to the door. This entire thing goes on without any sound at all from the camera. It then cuts away to a text card informing us the following footage was recovered from the security camera. As opposed to what? The movie literally cuts away from security camera footage to tell us it's going to show us more security camera footage. <laughs> so the movie literally shows you three and a half straight minutes of footage of a bird's eye camera view of this girl rummaging through their kitchen with zero sound, not even music. Why? It literally added nothing to the story once the movie was over with. We knew she was there, we knew she was lurking around the house. We do not need to watch her open and close and open and close and open and close and open and close the refrigerator door. Or play a shell game shuffling around the three counter stools. Or opening up drawers or eating cereal or any of this. A girl secretly living in the crawl space raises any number of questions. None of which are answered by she opens the refrigerator door a lot. I can at least gloss over any problems there would normally be in such a storyline because this takes place over the span of, what, two days? I can buy them missing the girl for most of that time. But still. So, my final thoughts on The Unseen. Wow, this was a bad one, folks. The idea is actually solid enough. I'd seen this story in other places, and it works fairly well. Some good versions of unknown person living inside the walls that you might want to check out. The boy. Uh, intruders. But those are just two right off the top of my head, and they are infinitely better versions of this kind of story. The opening of this movie is genuinely great. The one scene where Dakota gets up out of the bed behind Sarah, actually terrifying. But this movie sets zero things up. The only scares in the movie, aside from the ones I mentioned, are either nightmares, or loud sharp bangs of noise that aren't actually something scary happening. The only other option are really tense moments that lead to nothing. You know what would have been scarier than nothing? What? Anything! Then all of a sudden the movie ends and boom, two people are dead. This is yet again a good idea told poorly or what is rapidly becoming the bloodstream mantra. The only thing unseen about this movie is the actual horror. Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode of The Bloodstream. If you've enjoyed listening to me yell at a movie for half an hour, I do this every week. Sometimes, they're actually good movies. And those days bring me so much joy. If you want to hear more, you can find us on iTunes. Just search for The Bloodstream. We're the podcast that's not about medicine. While you're there, please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show. Those are all a big help and greatly appreciated. There's also a group on Facebook, so search for us there, join in, and keep up to date on what's going on with the show. We've got a Tumblr page over at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. And if you want to leave me a comment, question, got a movie you'd love for me to check out, then you can leave me a comment at any of those places, or just send me an email directly at phoenixfoenix at gmail.com. That's phoenix with an F. Our music for The Bloodstream is Baba Yaga by Kevin MacLeod. Find his stuff at incompetech.com. Some of the background music is from audionautics.com and some incidental music from a movie I reviewed quite a while ago now, Solus. So once again, thanks for listening. I was Jason Gray. Take care, don't go in the crawl space, and keep streaming.
Don't worry. <laughs> It'll only hurt. A lot. 